Welcome to each and every one of you. It is so good to see you this morning. If you're joining us online, a special welcome to you. And if I haven't had the chance or the opportunity to meet you yet, my name's Michael, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Now, I know um, during this Thanksgiving Christmas season, there's two types of people in the world. There's the type of people who listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving, and there's the type of people that listen to Christmas music after Thanksgiving. So um, what we're going to do, how many of you are, I don't listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving? Can you raise your hand? All right, quite a few of you. Okay. Um, well, I'm sorry to pop your bubble this morning, but we're going to actually listen to some Christmas music. And when, all right, hey, yes. Um, no riots break out, okay, here in the sanctuary. But we're going to listen to a couple of Christmas songs, and we're going to play a game together. Probably you've never played it before, or it's been a really long time since you've played it. Uh, do you guys remember musical chairs? Okay, so the object of musical chairs is my group of friends here, they're going to do a Jericho march around the chairs while the music is playing. And then when the music stops... They have to try to find a chair to sit in. Now, there's one less chair than there are the number of people, so they're going to have to struggle a little bit, but I've already told them no pushing, no fighting, no biting, no pulling hair, so um, we're going to hopefully that they will abide by those rules this morning. So if we want to go ahead and cue the music, and you guys can start making your way around... Oh, Hannah is out. I am so, give Hannah a hand. Okay. All right. So you guys can stand up. We need to take one chair away. We'll do this and we'll go ahead and cue the music one more time. And you guys start your marching. Let's go ahead. All right, Mariah Carey's here. out Gerard all right Adrian is out Adrian step up good try good try give Adrian a hand all right we're down to two go ahead you guys ready It's the best time of the year I don't know if there'll be snow But have a cup of cheer Have a... Uh, Stephanie, thank you so much. Good try, Steph. All right. So we're down to one final chair. Liberty and Gerard. All right, you guys ready? All right, here we go. Let's go ahead and last song.
guys both get a prize. Here you guys go. Awesome. That's a free drink at the coffee shop. Yeah. All right. So we'll come back to these chairs uh, here in a moment. But there's a question that I want to talk to you guys about that will help you at every stage of your life. And this question, it's a very important question. And if you would ask it at every stage of your life, it could make an incredible, incredible difference. This, this question could save you a lot of money. This question could save you a lot of time. And maybe most importantly, this question could save you a lot of tears, a lot of heartbreak, and a lot of pain. And this is a question that maybe at some area of your life, if you would have asked this question and you would have acted out on what the answer to this question was, you might have saved yourself a lot of regret and a lot of pain. And this question is just simply this. What is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? Can, can you just say that with me? One, two, three. What is the wise? What's the wise thing to do? In, in light of my past experience, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? In light of my past experience, because my past is different from your past, you have faced things that I haven't had to face, I have faced things that you've never had to face, you've walked through situations that I've never had to walk through. So in light of your past experience, in light of your current circumstances, some of you just started dating, some of you just got out of a messy relationship. Some of you have celebrated, um, you've been free from your addiction for a year and you've just recently celebrated that. Some of you just started a brand new job. Some of you have just moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. In light of your current circumstances, what is the wise thing for you to do? In light of your future hopes and dreams, what you want your marriage to look like, what you want your relationship with your kids when they're adults to look like, what you want your relationship with your grandkids to look like, what you want your retirement to look like in light of your future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing? Not the right thing. This is better than right. Not the legal thing. This is better than legal. Not, not what can I get by with, but what is the wise thing for me to do? And here's the, here's the catch. If you ask yourself this question and then you know the answer, you know what the wise thing is to do, you know what the right thing is to do, and you don't do it, you've just learned something very valuable about yourself. If you know what the wise thing is to do and you refuse to do it, you've learned something very valuable, and, and that's this, that you don't have your best interest in mind. You don't have your best interest in mind. And you should ask yourself a follow-up question. If you don't do what the wise thing is to do and you don't, or you know what it is and then you don't do it, you should ask yourself another question. If I don't have my best interest in mind, then who does? Because that's a very important question. That's very important information. What's the wise thing for me to do? 
And so we're going to look at scripture today because the, the scripture is filled with wisdom. And we're going to look at a guy who was known as one of the wisest men to ever walk on the planet. Okay, this, this guy had more wives than you'll ever have. All right, so that part of it, that probably wasn't a wise part of his life. <laughs> he, he had more money than you'll ever have. He, he's experienced more things than you've ever experienced. We're here thousands and thousands of years later and we're still talking about him. We're probably not gonna be talking about you or anyone else or myself in this room thousands of years from now. But Solomon, he wrote the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the book of Song of Solomon. In fact, you couldn't even read Song of Solomon until you were a certain age. So those of you who think the Bible's boring, go read Song of Solomon. If you're under 21, do not read the Song of Solomon, okay? But he wrote these incredible pieces of literature. And he's gonna tell us that if you know what the wise thing is to do, and this chair here, it's going to represent wisdom for us. This is going to represent the wise thing. And Solomon says, if you know what the wise thing is to do, if you sit in this seat, then, then you're a smart person. You're, you have an advantage. But if you turn your back on wisdom, if you know what the right thing is to do and you decide, you know what, I, I know better. I don't have to listen to my mom. I don't have to listen to my dad. I don't need to listen to my boss. I don't need to listen to my parents or my teacher or my spouse. I don't, I've got this under control. If you walk away from wisdom, Solomon says, you're walking towards something else. And he gives us three options that we're walking towards in the book of Proverbs. And so I just wanted to take a few minutes and for us to talk about this. Now, I've got to set up some boundaries. I've got to set up some rules. When we start talking about these three chairs, husbands, wives, none of this, okay? Parents, if you have teenagers, I don't want you doing this, looking down the row and making eye contact with your teenage daughter or your teenage son, okay? This is a conversation between me and your teenagers. This is a conversation between me and your spouse. This is us. This is us having a conversation together. This isn't between me and your kids and your social network, all right? This is, this is just between us this morning. And, and so Solomon, the wisest man in the world, he says the very first thing that I want you to understand is if you walk away from wisdom, that you're walking towards this. The first chair we're gonna look at is the simple. Now, now the simple, they don't hate wisdom, okay? They're not against wisdom. They're not trying to ruin their lives. We, we would call them naive. Maybe we would call them clueless. They, they're simple. And, and there, there's a great theologian by the name of Taylor Swift, okay? And... <laughs> Taylor Swift, that's a joke, all right, for all of you theologians, you're like, how dare you? All right, so Taylor Swift, she wrote this song, and it's, it's called 15, and she says this in her song. She says, when you're 15 and someone tells you they love you, you're going to, okay, only the teenagers and me know the rest of the lyrics to that song. When you're 15 and someone tells you they love you, you're going to believe them, when a cute boy walks up to you and says, hey, baby, I love you. You're super fly. You're super, you're off the chain. You're off, the, what, what do we say? I, I don't know what we say right now, okay? I'm way past that, what we say. But, and he says, I love you, baby. Taylor Swift, she, she says, when you're 15 and someone tells you that, you're gonna believe them. And it's not because you wanna ruin your life and it's not because you wanna destroy your life. It's just 
when you're 15, you're, you're naive, and this is a little bit offensive, you're naive, you're clueless, you, you still, you haven't experienced life the way that everyone else experiences it. And it's not a criticism, it's a warning. It's a warning that when you're 15 and someone tells you they love you, you're just going to believe them because you haven't experienced life the way some of the people in here that are older than you have experienced life. And when you try to tell the simple person about what the wise thing is to do, this is what they'll say to you. And I'm sure you've probably heard this before. (laughs) My kids have told me this. Dad, nothing's going to happen. Dad, nothing's going to happen. It's fine. Nothing's going to happen, Dad. And I want to say, okay, well, if you can tell me with confidence what's going to happen in the future, then we're going to make a lot of money, okay? How can you tell me with certainty that you know 100% that nothing is going to happen? Dad, I can handle it. (laughs) Okay, when I was your age, I didn't handle it. And your older sister, she didn't handle it. And there's a world filled with people who regret their lives who didn't handle it very well. Mom, dad, you're overreacting. You're you're just overreacting. You have no touch with reality, mom and dad. You're overreacting. Students, you know why your parents overreact? It's not because we signed a document when you were born that we're supposed to overreact. That's not why we overreact. We overreact because we can anticipate the future. We can see where you're going and we don't want you to have to experience some of the things that we've experienced. And so that's why we overreact. It's because we don't want you to have to, I mean, adults, you know this. We've experienced this. Students, young young people, if you're 21 or under, okay, you've never had to experience debt the way we've experienced it. You've never been so strapped down with debt that you don't know if you're going to be able to make the house payment this month. You don't know if you're going to be able to make the car payment. You don't know if you're going to be able to keep the lights on. You don't know if you have enough money for groceries this month. You've never been, you've never experienced, you've never had to face debt the way that we've had to face it. You've never been vulnerable with someone and gotten your heart so broken that you don't know if you'll ever love again. You don't know if you'll ever trust a man or a woman ever again. You've never been addicted to pills or alcohol or some other type of substance to the point where you have broken relationships. You have burned bridges in with family members. I mean, we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas and Thanksgiving and you know this. There are family members and friends that you used to be close with, but their substance abuse, their addiction has isolated them so far away from you. They're never gonna, they're not welcome in the house anymore. They've lied way too many times about their addiction. Students, if you're 21 and under, you've never had to experience that. You've never been so careless with your sexuality that you don't ever know if you're gonna really experience intimacy with another person. Because you just, it was was spring break. It it was prom night, it was homecoming, it it was a party and and so yeah, I I just, everyone else was doing it. 
You've never had to do that. And students, young people, young adults, this is why I love talking to teenagers. This is why I love talking to young adults. Because let me tell you something. You have a chance. You have an opportunity in front of you. Now, if you're 21 or under, all of us that are 21 and older, we envy you. Okay, because you can do certain things with your hair that we can't do. You can wear skinny jeans that we can't wear. I mean, you can hang out in coffee shops all day long. We don't have any idea what you're doing in that coffee shop, but you can hang out in there all day long and not go to work. I mean, it's amazing what you can do. And we envy you. If you're 21 and under, we envy you so much. But here's the thing. You have an opportunity. You have the chance of a lifetime to have your youth and to have wisdom. You have the chance of a lifetime. You can experience your youth and you can experience wisdom, but the door and the window is slowly closing. But you have the chance to do that. And you're gonna have to go against culture. You're gonna have to go against society. You're gonna have to go against all of the people, what they do in your sorority and your fraternity, your friendships, your relationships, because society's not gonna hand you wisdom. They're gonna just say, hey, come on. Your parents are overreacting. It's crazy. You're young. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You have plenty of years to be responsible. But students, you have the opportunity to have youth and have wisdom, but you have to ask for it. You're going to have to ask for it because you're simple. And again, I know this is offensive. This is a Bible word, but you're simple. You're naive. And Solomon says it this way in chapter seven of Proverbs. He says it this way. He tells this story, this foreshadowing. And it's like when you watch your favorite movie, right? And this young man, and he's going into danger and he thinks, hey, I'm gonna have the time of my life. And Solomon's like, you're so simple. You're so naive. And you're watching your favorite movie. Have you ever done this before? And they're going down to the basement, what? Without a flashlight. They're going back out to the woods. They don't have a flashlight. And you want to yell at the screen, don't do it. Don't be so naive. Don't be so clueless. Don't be so simple. Don't go in the upside down. Don't do it. It's okay. All right, don't go there. You, you want to yell that at the screen and everyone in the room or everyone in the movie theater is looking at you like, it's a movie. But that's what Solomon's saying in, in Proverbs chapter seven. He's saying that this man, this young man, he, he's like an ox that's headed to the slaughter. He, he's like a bird that, that's flown into a trap and he doesn't even know it. So the simple person, all you 21 and under, okay? And again, I know this is offensive. If you would just ask, what's the wise thing for me to do? In light of my past experience, my, my current circumstance, my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? Then Solomon goes on, and he says this. The next person that sits in the chair is the fool. Now, now the fool is different from the simple person because the fool knows the difference between right and wrong. The fool knows the answer. They know what the wise thing is to do, but this is what the fool says. I don't care. I don't care. I don't give a, and you can fill in the blank with whatever the people say who you hang around with or that are at your work, right? I don't care. I don't care. Hey, the last time you dated her, didn't it, that not, yeah, I don't care. The, the last time you went there, I know, I, I just don't care. Hey, remember when you made that financial decision last time? Yeah, I, I know, I don't care. I, I don't care. I've been there for my whole life, but I just don't care. 
I don't care what happens. The fool knows what the right thing is to do, but they just won't do it. They know what they're supposed to do, but they're not going to follow through with it. And Solomon says it this way. He says, as a, or excuse me, let me make sure I'm finding the right page here. In Proverbs chapter 26, as a dog returns to its vomit. Can we just picture that for a moment? Have you, do you have a dog? Have you ever seen this and you take a double take and you're like, what? What are you doing? As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats their folly. I, I know I just don't care. I, I know what I'm supposed to do, but, but I just don't care. Solomon says, you're a fool. You're a fool. If you know what the right thing is to do, but you're not going to do it, it you're, you're a fool. He, he goes on to say this in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 23, a fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes. A fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes. Oh, it's fun. But last time you spent three days in jail, but I, yeah, I know, but it's so much fun. Well, well, the last time you lost your driver's license, I know, but it's so much fun. Well, remember the last time you woke up and you didn't remember what happened the night before? I know, it was so much fun. And Solomon says, no, you're like a dog that returns to its vomit. You're a fool because your foolishness has blinded you from your selfishness. Your foolishness has blinded you to your selfishness. And a fool says this, well, it, it's, it's my life. It's my party. I can do what I want. It's my party. I can kiss who I want. It's my party. I can sing what I want. I can do whatever I want to. It's, it's, I'm not hurting anyone else. And Solomon says, no, you're, you're a fool. Because listen to what Solomon says. He says, walk with the wise and become wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. Well, well, I didn't mean to. Yeah, but, but they're still hurt. Well, that wasn't my intention when I did that. Yeah, but, but they're still hurt. We, we could say it this way. A best friend, a spouse, a roommate, a companion of fools suffers harm. Students, you know why your parents freak out about who your friends are? Can I talk to the students again just one more time? Because you can be the wisest person in your group of friends. You can be the wisest person in your sorority and your fraternity. You can be the wisest person with the people that you hang out with. But if you're around them, it says the companion of a fool suffers harm. Because if they don't care about your body or their body, they don't care about your body. If they don't care about your financial future, or their financial future, they don't care about your financial future. If they don't care about their future or their life, then they don't care about your future or your life. The companion of a fool suffers harm. Solomon says, don't be a fool. In light of my past experience, in light of my current circumstances, in, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is, what's the wise thing for me to do? And the last one is just simply this. It, it's the mocker. Now, the mocker it is the fool on steroids. 
because the mocker, they, they just don't know what the right thing is to do. They know what the wise thing is to do. They know what the right thing is to do. They, they know what they're supposed to do. And not only does the mocker not care, they're gonna make fun of everyone else who does what is right. You know these people in your life. Th- these are the people that are, are cynical. These are the people that are critical. These are the people who act like the smartest person in the room. And with the mocker, you're always off balance. You, you never know where you stand with the mocker because they'll control and they'll manipulate with their words and with their intellect and, and with their criticism and with their cynicism. You never know what, where you're gonna be at when it comes to a mocker. And, and if you're married to one, I, I pity you. If you work for one, I feel so sorry for you. And if you are one, not only do you not like what I'm saying or not agree with what I'm saying, but you're having a private conversation with me in your head right now because you're smarter than me. And the mocker is gonna be the person who controls, 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 manipulates, 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 makes you feel about this big every time you have a conversation with them. And we don't have a lot of mockers in church because if you would try to invite a mocker from one of your coworkers or one of your friends, you know how that conversation's gonna go and they're just gonna start laughing at you and making fun of you and saying, oh, do you have a a Jesus bumper sticker too? And do you carry your Bible? And, And you really go to church on Sundays? You really believe in that? That's the mocker. And Solomon, the wisest man in the world, this this is what he says about the mocker. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or they will hate you. Solomon, in another passage in Proverbs, he, he says, you know what? When it comes to a mocker, just throw them out. There's no hope. And he's not talking about what Jesus has done on the cross. He's not talking about God's forgiveness or God's love. He's just saying, in their relationships, in my experience, when I've seen a mocker, they're not gonna listen. They're they're not gonna pay attention. So Solomon, in conclusion here, because I'm running out of time, he, he says this, correct the simple and they won't get you. What? There's gonna be consequences? No, it's fine, I can handle it. You're overreacting, it's fine. He he says, correct the fool and they'll ignore you. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. What else you got? I, I, I don't care. Correct the mocker and they'll hate you. But he says, correct the wise and they will thank you. Because the wise know what they don't know. The wise are learners. The wise are not afraid to learn from someone younger than them or someone older than them. They're people with their eyes wide open and they don't allow their arrogance or their position or who they are or their title in front of their name to control the way that they live their lives. They say, I know that I don't know everything and I'm okay with that. And I'm willing to surround myself with people who do know more than me because I wanna be the best person that I can. And if you're a Christian, I wanna be as close as I possibly can to God. 
That's the wise person. And so Solomon does this incredible thing, and I want to read this passage to you from Proverbs chapter 1, and then I'll close this in prayer. But, but Solomon does this incredible thing. He, he personifies wisdom as a woman. All right, all the ladies said? All right, okay. I gave you that one, okay? So here we go. He, he personifies wisdom as a woman, and wisdom is calling out in the streets. And listen to what Solomon says in, in Proverbs chapter 21. This is what he says. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long, you who are simple, will you love your simple ways? How long, simple person, are you going to sit there? How long are you going to, to have to learn the hard way, Solomon says? How long will the mocker delight in mockery? How long, mocker? How long are you just going to control everyone around you with your criticism and your cynicism? How long, mocker? How long are you going to sit in that chair? How long will the fool hate knowledge? Fool, how, how long are you going to know what the right thing is to do, but you're not going to do it? I know, I know, I know, I just don't care. Another year? Another broken up marriage? Another distance that is marked by your kids not wanting to call you or not talk to you anymore? How long, fool, are you going to act out in your arrogance? How long? How long will fools, how long are you going to hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke, wisdom says. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen, when I called, when you paid no attention, when I stretched out my hand, since you disregarded all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I will turn and laugh when disaster strikes you. See, wisdom is saying, if you sit in these seats long enough, eventually you're going to need wisdom, but wisdom is going to laugh and mock at you because you've rejected her and rejected her and rejected her and thought that you knew best. How long, simple, how long, fool, how long, mocker? I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster, strong words here, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overcome you. Wisdom says there's a price, there's a payday that is coming, and one day you're going to have to pay the price. See, here's the thing, church. The cure for the simple is time. The cure for the simple is time. You know that. All of us that are over 21, we know, oh yeah, when you're 15 and someone tells you they love you, you're not supposed to believe them. But you know what the cure for the fool is? Tragedy. Unfortunately, it's tragedy. And I've sat down with people, I'm never coming to church again. I'm never believing in God again. I'm never gonna follow Jesus again. Yes, you will. You will when tragedy comes, knocking on your door. And you've lost your job, you've lost your marriage, you've lost your relationship with your kids, your addiction is controlling your life, and you're down on your hands and knees, and you're wondering, and this is the sad thing. As a pastor, I see this on a regular basis. People come into my office and they're crying and they're weeping and they're saying, pray for me, Pastor Michael, pray for me. I want my family back. I want my life back. I want my kids back. And I'm thinking this, but I never say it. Why'd you wait so long? And what you want 
you can never have. Because a counseling session is not going to help you in this situation or circumstance. You want me to sit here and talk to you for an hour and then pray a prayer of blessing on you and you think that's just gonna somehow magically fix your marriage? It's just gonna somehow magically fix your relationship with your kids? It's just gonna somehow magically wipe your addiction away? Some of you have burned bridges so long because you've been sitting here for so long and you think, if I just get the right counseling, if I just have enough money, if I just do this, then it's gonna fix everything. Like God has some magic wand and he's gonna wave it over But what Solomon says is here, you reap what you sow. And that doesn't mean that God loves you any less. And that doesn't mean that there's not forgiveness. And that doesn't mean there's not redemption. But there is a price that will be paid. And you're not going to make a fool of God. You might have fooled your spouse. You might have fooled your kids. You might have fooled everybody else. But you will not make a fool of God. And one time, at some point in time, you will reap what you have sown. And until you open up your eyes and say, I do not any longer want to sit here in one of these seats, I am tired. Then that's when wisdom says, okay, it's here for you, but there are going to be consequences that you have to walk through because you would not listen. So what's the wise thing for you to do? In light of your past experience, in light of your current circumstances, in light of your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for you to do? Will you bow your heads with me this morning? And I'm not gonna ask you to come forward I'm not gonna give a formal altar call because we're out of time here this morning. But I just wanna ask you, if you're saying, Michael, I, I've been sitting in one of those chairs and I'm not, you don't need to tell me which chair you've been sitting in, but Michael, I've been sitting in one of those chairs for I don't know how long. And you're speaking exactly to me. And I want today to begin to seek wisdom. I'm tired of burning bridges. I'm tired of breaking relationships. I'm tired by being controlled by my attitude, my arrogance, my addictions. I'm tired, Michael. Will you just pray for me that I'll take the step to actually seek out wisdom? If that's you this morning, can you just slip up your hand and you can put it right back down? Thank you. Thank you so much. You can put it right back down. Thank you, guys. Up in the balcony. Thank you. Let me pray for us this morning. God, this this is hard. It's hard, 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 God. And it goes right to the root of our pride. It goes right to the root of our soul. It goes right to the root of our background and our insecurities. It really plays on our insecurities, God. But it's true. And we know it's true. And even of those of us who don't consider ourselves to be religious or a Christian, we, we know that this is true. God, and for every simple person here this morning, God, would you give them the ability to seek wisdom? God, for every fool, 
Lord, would you open up their eyes to help them to come to their senses and realize, I need to start caring. I need to start making decisions. I've sat in this chair long enough. And God, for the mocker, would you help them to realize they're not the smartest person in the room. God, would you help them to realize that they don't have to control every conversation with their criticism, with their cynicism, with their arrogance, God. But that they can humble themselves under your mighty hand and you have promised to lift them up. And so God, this morning I'm asking, would you give us the wisdom to know what to do, to know who to talk to, to know who to ask for forgiveness. And God, would you give us the courage to follow through with those decisions? What's the wise thing for us to do? In Jesus' name I pray, amen.